You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Hello! I'm Hugh Ford. I'm Jenny Slevin. And I'm Tom Canning. Welcome to episode 12 of The Real Reading Podcast. Uh, it's a special one this week on the ambitious plans for Reading that never quite came off. Uh, this is one we've been wanting to do for quite a while, and given that I'm actually not here, uh, we thought it a good opportunity to, to go through some of these ideas. Yes, you're in the Dominican Republic. I am right now, yes. 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 Going, going very, very red in very short <laughs> I shall undoubtedly be wearing Factor 50 and a big hat. Tom's ginger and pale for anyone that's never seen him. <laughs> if you've never seen me, you've had a lucky escape. Um, if you want to get involved in the show, you can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. You can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. We're on Instagram, and if you're able to, please leave us a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. Um, so, uh, the title of this uh, article, this podcast that we're going back to, go, dates back to what date does this go back to, Hugh? This, this piece that you did? Um, this was a piece I did in 2015, I think. Okay, um, and it, but it's titled The Ambitious Plans Which Came to Reading But Were Never Built. Um, a sample being uh, the various Thames bridges, um, 7,500 homes between Burford and Reading in 2002, uh, and a bigger, better Medeski Stadium, which I think it's fair to say is uh, not worth. Uh, yes, this was, yeah, the Medeski Stadium, when Reading were flying high in the Premier League, you would seem like a great idea to bolt loads of extra tiers onto the stadium making a huge, uh, huge huge increase in the amount of people you could have on the ground um, but subsequently Reading <laughs> have proved that this is not a very good idea <laughs> it would feel like it's a very then. lonely place at the minute yeah. wouldn't it it, yes. it it really would it would be a, a bit of a uh, bit of an echo chamber around there now with the crowds of six and a half thousand yeah. again compared to those heady days in the Premier League where we uh, we were all so happy and everything was going so well I seem to recall uh a few years ago, someone will correct me, either Doncaster or Darlington uh, got relegated into non-league football and had just had uh, a brand new stadium built uh, out of slightly dubious money. Um, yes, correct. it was Darlington. Darlington, yeah, And they were, I seem to remember they they announced they were signing Gaza yeah. at the time yeah. and also the Colombian striker Fastino Asprilla yes. who Newcastle were a fan, fan yes. will remember and um, on the day they were announcing the signing of Asprilla they had a whole press uh, press event line up and he didn't turn up <laughs> he never turned up he never played for them having subsequently realised they were in third division and, uh, I don't understand what, when did Gaza sign for them? he didn't he didn't <laughs> <laughs> this was there yeah I've got to be it's all a, built on lies. I've got to be a little bit careful for the, by this, but their their chairman was a crook, wasn't he? I, no, I think he was convicted. He was convicted yeah. of crookery, crookery, um, <laughs> and he spent a lot of money building the new stadium with the aim of competing yeah. with the likes of Newcastle United and uh, at the time Sunderland, not Sunderland now, who are bottom of the championship. Yeah. Um, 
and they have, they still have this thirty thousand six. No, stadium. I think it's been knocked down. Has oh, it? Yeah, I think it's been knocked down since this is all a bit vague. Yeah, so yeah. We'll move You've on. You've completely shortly. lost me, and I'm not sure the the listeners of the Real Winning Podcast are going to be massively interested in this. The point was there was a small <laughs> amount of fans rattling around in a massive stadium, which is what it could have been like at Reading. Yes, yeah. was the point. Reading could become the new Darlington. <laughs> I have not uh, fulfilled my role of reining the two of you in when you go off on a tangent because I'm just so lost. Fair enough. Do you know where Darlington is? No. It's in the northeast. Yes. Big area. Big, anyway, big should we move back to Reading? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, okay. Um, so, uh, as well as those we mentioned, there were three that we've picked out specifically. Um, and then just basically, the first one of these is one of the few, one of the main reasons we wanted to start doing this podcast in the first place because we were both desperate to talk about it and. Uh, play this little musical interlude. The ring came off my pudding can. Take my pen knife, my good man. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. Wasn't that good? I, I love that episode. <laughs> classic, think, classic memories. Classic one of our, um, I think it's called Marge versus the Monorail. It I is believe. called Marge versus the Monorail, yes. I've actually been looking it up on <laughs> Simpsons Wikipedia today <laughs> to, uh, to get some great quotes. But it was one of the favourites of our uh, former reporter, Nathan Hyde, who now works at Leeds Live. Um, he used to, he used to often quote burst it. into song, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, why are we talking about monorails? Well, in 2008... It was proposed uh, that a monorail would be built down the central reservation of the M4. Hugh, I will let you take up the story. Uh, yes, this is uh, was an, a very ambitious and very, very fun, cool idea from the Thames Valley Economic Partnership as a way of providing another way to get to Heathrow Airport and all the towns in between, presumably, um, without having to go on to the M4, which, as we know, is on occasion somewhat slow um, method of transport Um, and this was in 2008 and I don't know if anyone who uses the M4 regularly has spotted this but there's no monorail (laughs) running alongside (laughs) it uh, 10 years later so so this plan has it never happened Um, and unfortunately we don't know why it never happened Um, it just hasn't happened I imagine uh, the time of it coming to fruition was just before the, the big recession. Mm. Um, so I would imagine, like everyone at the time, the Thames Valley Economic Partnership had to pull all its money together to to do more worthy things than than what would be very fun. But we can all live clearly. We can all live without a monorail without going down the M4 because we live without a monorail going down the M4. So so maybe one day. Um, uh, we can (laughs) we might see the monorail but just to add one note of caution to this can you imagine how long it would take to build (laughs) how much road works you would need on both sides of the motorway for it to be installed and that would go from all the way from from Reading to Heathrow Airport which is quite a big stretch of the M4 so those of us who like to indulge in complaining about traffic jams and road works (laughs) For, for something which would cost many millions to do, although it's not wouldn't necessarily be public money, um, be warned, because as we know, we've had three or four years of constant roadworks on the M4 already, and they cause a lot of irritation. 
So to have something like this going on from Reading to Heathrow Airport just after we've had the smart motorway installed. I don't know if people would be that keen. I'm not sure we need it. (laughs) Yes, but it would be amazing. (laughs) I don't don't need my PlayStation PlayStation 4 as well. Do you think that the monorail would bring you as much joy as your PlayStation does? I think you'd get enormous satisfaction, wouldn't you, if you were were travelling on a day when there was a horrendous jam. And you'd be sitting there in comfort on your in your monorail, <laughs> looking down on the people sitting and sitting sitting there and they, uh, in the queues. Presumably, this kind of thing would need some kind of if if the idea is that it goes all the, all the way to Heathrow from Reading, it would need some kind of like like a park and ride style car park that you could like an airport yeah, capacity yeah. You'd have car to catch park. It somewhere. And where would that go? Um, where in know. Reading would an airport capacity car park go? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'd have to park on the M4. <laughs> They'd put in laybys on the M4. I don't. I don't know. There's the. I remember writing this story at the time in 2015. The, the detail yeah. of this project was a, a, not not re- readily available. Really, um, I, do, I do remember um, on the, the the picture of it on the front page of the Reading Evening Post as it was then was like really quite imposing and really really impressive. Yeah. And as you say, details. Details, sketchy. Details, <laughs> sketchy at best. Um, Picture says a thousand words, as they say. So I'm sure there are people out there who who know about more about it than uh, than we've been able to find out. So if they if they want to get in touch and talk to us about it and hope maybe tell us, yes, it's still in the pipeline. <laughs> and one day we'll get our monorail. <laughs> then, then by all means, get in touch. What's it called? The M4 monorail. Oh no, you were just supposed to answer monorail. monorail. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Monorail. Once again. What's it called? Monorail. Monorail. <laughs> um, We've not rehearsed. No, this. not at all. And we're not going to sing. No. We have had your mu- musical interlude, though. Yeah. So we have really talked good. about the Reading Monorail. Yes. Which is very exciting. <laughs> um, the second one on the list, uh, we, it's sort of two in one, really. Uh, the the idea for a one way IDR from 2006, uh, and then plus the idea of decking over the IDR from 2008. And I'll add my idea from 2018 of <laughs> painting the IDR into this. <laughs> Which we could all do at the same time. Could all be done at the same time. We could turn it one way, deck over it, and yeah. paint it. There so, are some uh, some actual futuristic plans for for um, the IDR, which I've just remembered, which are in the... Uh, it, it, the, the Reading 2020 kind of plan. Okay. So we did a story about it at the beginning of the year, um, and they've basically come up with like a big a big design, and eventually there's supposed to be some kind of a park on the IDR, or okay. to the side yeah. of the IDR, and just kind of yeah. make that area over the IDR yes. more pedestrianised, um, and just kind of like a, another event space similar to Station mm. Hill, but probably permanent, and a nice big park. Um, but I think that would be the section of kind of Broad Street and Oxford Road, mm. rather than placing decking over. Yeah, the top of it. My, my understanding is this: this is the the decking, the covering of the IDR is a plan that's never never been completely uh, shelved, um, but something that is is on a list somewhere of things we'd like to do if money becomes available. It's obviously, yeah. it's obviously in terms of things that need to be done, probably quite low on the list, but um, it's very ambitious thing which was certainly I'm sure would be very kind of spectacular and um, and nicely done and I'm sure they'd attract people to, to put things on it and um, and do that but 
unlikely to materialise at any time, any time soon. But um, I think the first project they got they got quite a long way into it before it had to be shelved, which again I think might have been due to the. The 2008 is recession time. Recession time, yeah. change of government in 2010, perhaps. Reading, uh, uh, Labour lost control of the council for one year at that time as well. So, presumably, was that 2006? No, no, 2010. They lost. Okay. They lost it in the same year as the Tories took over the government, and they got, they had a coalition mm-hmm. at the same time as we had a coalition, but it only lasted for a year, and then they won the council back again the next year. Um, so. So I think that's probably stalled it, and I think, like I say, it's it's locked away somewhere, waiting wait for the right what time. About, what about the one-way IDR? I mean, that, that didn't necessarily this, seem like such yes. a bad idea. Uh, this one was earlier on in 2006. Um, it was John Howarth, uh, long-term residents of Reading will remember Councillor John Howarth, who's now an MEP, um, although probably not for much longer. Um, <laughs> He wanted to. The great plan was to to make the the our favourite road. Everyone loves that road, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, just a thing of utter architectural beauty. And he wanted to have all the lanes going in the same direction, going all the way around the, the town centre. Um, and it was going to cost at the time, twelve years ago, fourteen point two million pounds, according to our article. I'm sure now now it would cost many many much much more than that and then with the type of ter- terrifying traffic <laughs> chaos uh, you can't even imagine um, what if that uh, if that was to take place um, essentially the idea was incredibly unpopular and um, <laughs> surely not and it actually led it is, it is cited as one of the factors to which uh, caused Labour to lose control of the council at the time, um, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I imagine my source on this was probably Linda Ford, uh, <laughs> who who knows what she was talking about. So, and also the, the um, it got quite far. Apparently, the, the council spent a million pounds on putting the plan together and then didn't do it, which always goes mm, down well with the brilliant. with yeah. the electorate and you're wasting money on things which never happen. Um, so you can safely say that you can probably safely say that this this, this won't materialise again anytime soon. But you never know. You, you never know if these things have been totally written off. There's there's plenty of uh, traffic plans going on that are very unpopular with the electorate as well. But they are uh, they're surging ahead with those. Um, what would be the benefits of making the IDR one way? I'm just trying to think yeah. about how it, how it would work because the roundabouts that you would need to take to come off. The yeah. place that you wanted to come off on would just be. They'd be redundant, wouldn't they? Um, half of the roundabouts would be redundant unless you were to come up. I don't really understand. Which way would it go? Uh, and also, it's 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 a dual carriageway, so it's not like. Yeah. I don't really understand. <laughs> I think I don't understand either. I I was not privy to the exhibitions and the details of of what was going to what was the plan was I'm sure they are somewhere on the internet maybe or within one of our the council. listeners who who remembers this plan can can tell us what, yeah. why it's I think it. Mr Adrian Lawson we're directing this particularly at you. <laughs> you may you may know a bit about this I imagine um, Tony Page will know 
Do you think he listens to the Royal Wedding podcast? I don't know. Can I come to the page if you do? Yeah, hello, yes. Hi, Tony. Thanks for your help uh, with those traffic plans. Um, and, but John Howarth isn't around anymore. Um, I've got no idea if there's anyone within the traffic department of the council who worked on the plans. But certainly more information on the detail of this would be quite, be quite be interesting, interesting to us. Because yeah. obviously this article, is um, it, it talks about the, the things which never happened. But... Um, it's a list article, so it doesn't go into enormous amounts sure. of uh, detail yeah. on every single thing. It will, otherwise, it will be about five or six thousand. <laughs> no one reads a list article. Do you mean a uh, a listicle. listicle? Surely not a listicle. We no, I mean I mean a list article because I don't like the term listicle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea of decking over the idea, right. like I said, with that, with those kind of like plans for the future, the vision for the yeah. future. The, the town isn't huge, is it? The town no. centre, and if we've got this massively growing population, why not make the most out of space that's basically completely wasted on the yeah. edge of town? Like, you know, make make some more floor space in the I, town centre and take over. I that remember area. at the time when I, I was working here at the time, and I do remember there was an awful lot of opposition to it, and I, I'll be. Brutally honest, I never, never really understood enough about what they were trying to do or what the opposition was. I just remember there was loads of opposition to it, and for the life of me, I have no idea why right now because it seems like quite a smart idea, really. I think it was a lot to do with Chatham Place with those going up, and it was a lot yeah. of it was to do with with opening all of that up. I I couldn't tell you whether about the levels of opposition at the time um, off the top of my head, but. If you think about what sort of a plan it is in terms of disruption, mm. yeah. yeah, potentially there'd, there'd, be, there'd be a lot of roadworks and a lot of building no. and stuff like that. No. But um, you're not building; you're not necessarily having to divert. Track, I don't know. Too no, I much. don't know how it would work. I, I feel like at the moment things stopping, things happening are because we're all afraid of roadworks. Yeah. yeah. If only we'd all get rid of our cars and travel on bus more. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Council of the Page. There you are. Nice of you to pop in. The last one on our list uh, was um, the Racino, which also in 2000, it seems like all the good ideas happened in 2008. I feel like all of the the monorail, the Racino, they've got very late 90s, early noughties names. They don't seem like things that would be thought of (laughs) in the the late 2010s. Yeah, these, what are we calling these years? Well, these know. are the sort of projects which which people come up with in times of where where there's plenty of money around. Um, just before there was a huge financial crash, um, so that that's this is obviously a factor in why these these ambitious plans don't get done. Um, you know, if they'd started building the monorail before the recession, say, and then and then realised there's been a huge financial crash, you'd have a few monorail poles <laughs> four and stuff like that so talk us through the Racino the Racino um, this was going to be a combination of a you can probably guess from the name <laughs> a racing track and a casino but it was a dog track wasn't it Not yeah, like it was, yeah it was going to be the um, it was going to be it was on close the s- to um, close to the uh, the old dog track in in Reading did you, did you ever go to the old dog track? It did was brilliant. It was so shabby and run down. I remember being taken by someone from from like dance school. Yeah. Her dad took us to the the, the dog track once. I mean, it was nice seeing the dogs, but yeah. I think there's a there's a, there's a lot of a 
ethical issues surrounding the treatment of racing dogs these days. So I'm not sure. I'm not <laughs> sure how whether I'd appreciate it as much now yeah, as maybe. I as I did when I was a twelve year old. There's certainly, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, no kind of movement to try and bring it back. Unlike no. uh, unlike Speedway, because um, yeah, because you lost the Reading races as well, hasn't yeah. the, um, the Speedway track. But this was supposed to be a, an amalgamation of all of that, plus a casino. Yes. Um, Somewhere bringing, where you can bet on cards and dogs. At yes. the same time. And have a wonderful night out. Um, my understanding of this is it cost six million quid. It was a private, um, private enterprise, I think. But then um, someone pulled out of it um, in 2011. It got, got permission in 2007 so it was yeah. going to happen but then one of the people involved pulled out um, of it and then and so it didn't happen and now in, over the last few years there was another planning application to turn it into something much more boring like warehouses or something like that <laughs> um, boring safe and sensible I imagine there. <laughs> I imagine there so the racino never happened um would the Racino have been a success? It's hard to say. Um, I don't know. Yes, um, I suppose dog, dog tracks do seem to be closing. Well, I, I, I don't know. There don't seem to be many dog tracks around. No. None that I'm really aware of. Even Speedway, it's not a sport that I'm particularly familiar with anymore. It's not a mass participation or uh, hugely popular. It never, it never was, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so they were very good and we've though, got a few casinos haven't we we've got yeah. a, a Genting or a yes I suppose there is a casino there now isn't there yes there's yeah. a casino a bit further down the road yeah so I don't have a crystal ball or a uh, time machine or anything like that so I can tell you definitely if the Racino would have been there if it had it got built uh, 10 years on who knows it might have been a roaring success <laughs> you know we never know but part of me thinks probably not <laughs> which is probably why some one of the people yeah. might pull out, pull out. <laughs> but, hey if you'd like to see the Racino come back um, or if you were part of the uh, the group putting together the plans at the time we get in touch yeah, tell definitely. us tell us what happened and whether it's ever gonna ever gonna come into fruition and if uh, if you're one of those people who likes filling in petitions if you'd like to start a petition <laughs> to get any one of these three <laughs> ideas that we've uh, Pulled out of the archives. Yes, I'd like to see someone start a petition to bring back the one one way idea. <laughs> that would be an excellent, an excellent, and noble campaign that could gain a lot of local support. <laughs> um, okay, so that was our uh, special on the ambitious plans for Reading that never quite came off. Um, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we are keeping our feature event just for the time being. Uh, our event feature, even I should say, I got that the wrong way around. So, Jenny, uh, this weekend is the weekend of the. Well, we have a a couple of things for again different groups of people. We've got a nice children slash family event at Waterstones in okay. Broad Street. Um, we've got uh, the author and the illustrator of a new children's book called A Twit for A Twoo. Um, a Twit for A Twoo. Yes. Okay. It's, it's a... It's That's about great. owls. Right. Yeah. Okay, right, um, yeah, got it, got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a nice children's book about owls and they're having a couple of readings throughout the day and they're also having some owl-based art and craft sessions. Um, I don't think you need to book, but best to check the Waterstones uh, Broad Street event page just in case because they're... 
because I imagine with the art and crafts craft sessions they might get a bit busy. But that's happening on Saturday the 7th of April between 10.30am and 3pm. That reminds me of a, a children's book of my youth um, called Plop, the owl who is afraid of the dark. Yes. Oh yes. I always remember because they, they spoke, the mummy owl um, told, told Plop not to be scared because the sky wasn't because uh, he thought that it was just like black and very scary and and she said no it's all different types of colors you know and then you've got the twinkling stars I, I remember I remember that very uh, obviously not particularly well because I can't remember what she yeah. said but <laughs> I'd be I'd be more annoyed if I was plop by the fact my owl parents had called me plop <laughs> rather than you know being afraid of the dark but certainly that's a fond memory for my youth yes. is reading that and if, if you read it too, it must be very popular because I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> <laughs> I see, owls freak me out because of the way they're able to move their heads nearly 360 yeah, degrees. they see everything. Ah, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, nice book. Maybe there's uh, maybe we could do a reading of Plop next, next podcast. <laughs> we should give it um, a, a nice voice. On Sunday the 8th of April, Caffeine and Cocktails, which is the cocktail bar where Mix used to be in yeah. uh, King's Walk, near London Street, Brasserie End, that, that side of it, um, they ha- are having an open mic night um, from 4pm on Sunday, going through until 2am the following morning. Um, they've got loads of drink deals on. I think I saw £15 for a bottle of Prosecco, two-form cocktails, that sort of thing. Um, and most importantly, though, if you are uh, a, a singer-songwriter, a spoken word poet, anyone who fancies getting up and, and, and giving it a go. So it's not a bloke called Mike being very honest? No? You're going to edit that one out, aren't you? Nope. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, okay. No, it's not. I'm afraid. No, but you know, sorry, Mike. If if you are holding an open mic night, yeah, Mike. Let's I, cast, yeah, let's I think we might have to cut this out because <laughs> Hugh's jokes are so terrible. I can't think of anything <laughs> normal to say. <laughs> um, um, yeah, artists that want to go along and play the open mic night, get in touch with Catherine and Cocktails, or if you just want to go and see some new music, uh, go go along. Great. Okay. Um, is that all for this week? Yes. Okay. Yes, um, as ever, if you know anyone who you think would be great to interview for the podcast, we're back normally interviewing people next week. Um, please do let us know. Any prerequisite, they must live or work in the town. And most importantly, they must love Reading. Um, next week, we are back to normal. Um, I'm going to leave you with this quote. When I get to the end of the quote, just say, mind away. And it is... Take my pen, my good man. I swear it's Reading's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. Monorail! Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>